Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast, The Road to Restoration. I'm Pastor Sergio Delamora, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. Today I have with me Pastor Ot Bashoff from Christian Revival Church in South Africa. And we're going to talk about restoration because whether you're on the road of restoration, you're falling off the road, you're weary of being on the road, God is always restoring us at some level in our life. He takes us from glory to glory. So the old us can't go where the new us is going. So God is constantly restoring, constantly reviving, constantly making us brand new. You've been pastoring for how many years, Pastor? 36 years. 36 years. Well, first of all, I want to thank In you South Africa. for joining us. Uh, we're at Pastor Jason Lozano's conference. Right. And I had the privilege to be able to take you away from, from the conference for a minute to be able to talk to you about restoration. I imagine over the years, also through COVID, you've seen a lot of change. You've seen loss in people, and now you're starting to see restoration in people. With your experience as a pastor, as a global leader, what have you seen be the cycle of restoration for a person? Firstly, thank you, Pastor Sergio. It's a great honor to be with you. Um, having been in the ministry for 36 years, and then obviously starting very young at the age of 21 into the ministry and pastoring my first church when I was 23, Maybe one of the greatest concerns I've had has been to see great church leaders that I've looked up to over the years in South Africa specifically um, go through difficult seasons, trials, maybe something happened, and the way these great men were treated. It's something that always I never understood because I came out of the world and before I got saved, I mean, sometimes in the world people are more loyal to one another than in the church. And that's wow. a bad thing. Wow. Because in the world, we don't shoot our wounded. We recover our wounded. Also remember South Africa during apartheid, we had to go into military. So I learned many things there. So I qualified as an officer, uh, had to serve in Angola for like 10 years. And so many people shot, many people wounded. And if you saw a senior officer being wounded or shot, the obvious thing was to get him off the front line and to try and recover him as soon as possible and to get that experience out there back in the battlefield. Now, coming into church circles, I see it's like there's a, two sets of rules. There's a rule for church members that restoration for them is an easy process. But then church leaders, it's almost like there's another road of restoration, which is actually not restoration. Because restoration would imply to restore the person to a greater place than he ever was before. So when God changes a mistake, he always turns it into a miracle for his glory. So if we go through the Bible, right, from Moses um, that preempted God's will, and he ran away from God, God never gave up on him. Forty years later, God comes to him, and he's 80 years old, and he becomes the greater, greatest leader that Israel ever had. We can go through the Bible, we can go through Abram, we can go through Jonah, we can go through David, we can go in the New Testament, Peter, and many others, great men of God that somewhere messed up, made a mistake. And what we said in the army always, it wasn't whether the enemy shot you or whether you caused the wound yourself. The issue was to get the person whole and to get the person back in the position that that person functioned previously. And for me, it's a sad thing because over the world, and in our country, I've seen great, 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 great generals of God 
and I've spoken, obviously then as a young person, I would appeal to other ministers who made decisions and speak about um, this um, process, what's happening? Why, if something goes wrong with the minister, is it always in the, in the public eye? But when we deal with our flock, it's behind closed doors and we restore them privately. Surely the Bible is very clear in Galatians when it says, if anyone is overtaken, that word is caught in a transgression. You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So if you look at Matthew 18 as well, I mean, restoration is something that should take place privately. It's, it's rallying around that person and helping that person recover to the former state if that person is willing to work with the process of restoration. And you would almost think like people outside the church, when they see us treat each other that way, that makes the church more appealing. It makes them see Jesus through us. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> if I didn't have an encounter with Jesus, I promise, and I saw all this going on, I wouldn't want to be a Christian. Isn't, isn't what Jesus teaches us? It's by the love we have one for another that we are his disciples. So, you know, I was praying one day and I was praying for somebody because everybody was saying things about a certain individual. And I was just thinking like, when we were the furthest away from God, the greatest sinners, God loved us. So now we saved, somebody falls or somebody messes up. And then suddenly some people treat that person like he's a leper or treats that person um, like they have a disease. We should rally around our people. We should recover our people. That's what the military does, America. Leave no one behind, right? The Navy SEALs, leave no one behind. We recover. We bring the body out. We restore you. We put you in hospital. We get you back on your feet. We get you functioning again. Not in a lesser capacity. I mean, if I break my arm, the purpose of that arm being immobilized is so the arm can heal, so the arm can function again, stronger than before. The minute we dislocate people from the body and from their position, which is God-given, what happens? We disconnect those people from their grace, and there's no hope for those people. When, when you named the name of your church Christian Revival Church, why did you name it Revival Church? Because I believe that we are living in a time where people need encounters with God all the time because religion has a way to come in. And when people become religious, they become mean-spirited, they become harsh. And it's like Jesus spoke to the Pharisees. He said, you lay burdens upon people that are too heavy for yourself to carry. So that's what Jesus came to do. I'm not saying people can do what they want to do, but I mean... When that woman was caught in adultery, Jesus said, he that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. So we like to categorize things. God doesn't categorize things. Jesus paid the price. And our responsibility is to use what God has given us, our relationships, to protect one another, to walk in accountability, to walk in mutual uh, uh, um, submission, and then also to re restore people like we have done. I mean, we've had people that have, um, failed, messed up, sinned. And I mean, we've restored many people. I sat with the Minister of Justice once, and it's interesting, in South Africa a few years ago, and he spoke about the prisons being overcrowded, and we were talking about imposing greater laws on criminals, um, especially in South Africa, the rapists, etc. And he said to me, just like this, he says, Pastor, the difference between those in prison and those outside of prison, well, 90% more, they just haven't been caught. <laughs> <laughs> so we like to assassinate the ones that were caught. While the Bible says, if you go look at that word, if somebody is caught in a transgression, 
you who are spiritual restore that person. What does that mean? Restoration means to take that person back to the place where that person was. As a matter of fact, God always restores you to a higher place. Let's look at Moses. Can you yeah, explain that? Yeah. So, I mean, Moses was called by God. He preempted the will of God. He murdered an Egyptian. He failed. He ran away from God. And what did God do? God went looking for Moses. God didn't give up on him. Same with Adam. God didn't give up on Adam. I mean, we're in this mess because of Adam. And yeah, God comes in the cool of the garden to have communion, although God knew what Adam did. And um, then Adam blames God and he blames his wife. And uh, we know the first blood sacrifice takes place. God covers them uh, with animal skin eventually, etc., etc. And the new covenant starts where God uh, makes time for our, our sinful remittance takes place through Jesus Christ. But um, if you look at Samson, I mean, God gave him a, a new beginning. If you look at David, you know, people say a lot about David, but think about this. People have to think, read the Bible. I mean, Rachel, the harlot, is in the bloodline of Jesus Christ. Explain that. She's the great-grandmother. I'm not saying you can go do anything, but what I'm saying is the mercy of God is evident throughout the Old Covenant. So there's David. He commits adultery with Bathsheba, but he, he, he murders a covenant brother, Uriah. He puts him in the front line, withdraws from him, kills him. And that is the sin that he's judged for. He goes back to Bathsheba. Solomon is born. God blesses the union. And Solomon becomes the great-grandfather of Jesus Christ. So where did God give up on David? He didn't. Where does God give up on anyone? He doesn't. When Peter denied him, I'll say it again. We like to categorize things. We like to put people in certain groupings. And I understand too much given, much is required. I understand as senior leaders in the body of Christ, we have great responsibility. But for those people, and I've seen it, I'll say it again, in South Africa, how the work of God was put back because other leaders never restored those people in a spirit of humility walking the husband and the wife or walking through a financial situation, whatever it was. They never walked them correctly through the situation. And that brought a lot of damage and discredit to the kingdom of God. Surely, as Christians, we need to keep things to ourselves and we need to treat one another with love and kindness and we need to cover the nakedness of our father, right? Like Noah, his sons, the two covered him. And the other, they, they would not even look at his nakedness. So I don't know where we get this thing from where when a leader falls in the body of Christ, everybody goes on a witch hunt and they try and end the person's uh, career. I think it is just the Bible, the second sin recorded, jealousy, Cain killing Abel after the first sin, pride, Lucifer falling, falling uh, from heaven. I think it's, it, it's a sad disease in our midst which stops us from walking in love towards one another in covenant relationship. Wow, Pastor. Wow. I think that what you just said is probably going to get a lot of response because oftentimes no one addresses it as boldly and as clearly as you have. Pastor, I thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time not only to be at the conference, but be lend your voice to the podcast. Those that are watching, this is um, the podcast called The Road to Restoration. So whether you are on the road, off the road, fallen off the road or weary on the road, I trust and believe that what Pastor Ott shared is going to revive your spirit. Pastor Ott, thank you so much. Thank you for watching. Share it with a friend. 
God bless you.